All right, hey, 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 here. You know, you guys are talking too much bullshit about this communist, uh, you know, Russia this, Russia that. You know, I, I'm not here for all that bullshit. I'm Alex Bones of host of Stat Battle. That's right, globalists. I'm taking over. Listeners, I'm here to tell you, I got so many stats to look through this morning. I'm sweating, sweating through my dick, bleeding through my eyes because the Boston Celtics are the worst team. We're going to start off with my good buddy, Evbro Beantown. He's been breaking down the footage frame by frame, looking at how Terry and Jalen, you know what? They're not the teammates that you thought they were. They're plotting to take over the team. They're going to usurp the hierarchy that the Celtics have built up. And, you know, we're going to talk about it with Evbro Boss, Beantown. Beantown, what's that footage looking like? Uh, first of all, Alex Bones, thanks for having me on, bro. Uh, oh, it's great to have you, buddy. On December 19th, this is one example. I've been looking through a lot of video. December 19th against the Suns, Kyrie Irving sneezed on the bench. Jalen Brown, who was sitting right next to him, didn't say bless you. That's a but death threat where I'm from. On January 2nd, now this is key, when Gordon Hayward scored his 27th point, neither Jalen nor Terry stood up to celebrate the layup. And on that night, Jalen and Terry didn't even help with the Gatorade pour. So, I mean, come on. These these goddamn commies and gangsters, they're just destroying the team. Right in front of our eyes, we got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez destroying this country. Now that she's a congresswoman, you know, we got the sabotage of the Celtics. This is a state of emergency, folks. We need to build a wall. A wall around our good players like Gordon Hayward, Danielle Tice. The defensive guru, Aaron Baines. We need a wall around him. Protect those guys. God damn them the hell, you bastards. You blew it all up. God damn you. God damn you. God damn you. God damn you to hell. All right, that inter- that hot shot interview was brought to you by the good folks at Manetics. Coming to you with this great deal on their product, Testy Boost. Are you feeling like the past is slipping away? Do you remember when men were men and women were mim? Women or mimim? I do. And that was before the floor I turned all the goddamn turtles gay, spawned social justice warriors and robbed men of all their essence and precious bloodily fluids. Well now, Modern Man Science is here to tell you you don't gotta do that shit no more. Here with Manetics, the testosterone booster for men over 40 or under 13. Just so you can mix that with bio milk and chug about 69 ounces a day, you'll feel about as manly as Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro with steroids just streaming straight through their urethras. Yeah, that's right. Try it out. Testy Boost. You want to feel like a Viking? Drink Manetics. A Roman Manetics. Spartan Manetics. No, the Spartans weren't gay. No, don't believe it. Don't believe that liberal bullshit. They were showering with each other naked, giving themselves fellatio left and right. No, the movie 300, which you got to be thinking about, and they were just 100% plowing women all the time. Oh, and guys... She'll like it too. Alex Jones, more like Alex Bones, am I right? Yeah, that's right, I got mines. 
I can't keep these old white ladies off of me yet. Conservative thirst traps won't do me unless I employ them. But we're hiring at, at, at stat battles. We're here at the right wing conspiracy business. Let me tell you, business is a booming, baby booming. That's what I'm doing every night. I had my supper. Now I'm going to choke some manetics. Well, all right, we got our second guest here on stat battles with Alex Bones. Uh, we got the recently out of work, but we're going to give him a paycheck because uh, we're running through it with a magnetic sponsorships. Kevin Spacey's on the line. Noted uh, spacing hater of un- an understander that Ben Simmons is the the penultimate god of our people. And Jason Tatum is a piece of crap that uh, thinks that shooting's cool, which is lame. Uh, Kevin well- Spacey. I, I, well, first of all, Alex, I, I would like to thank you humbly for uh, letting me onto my show, uh, this here show. Uh, my psychiatrist has said that I have suffered some sort of a psychological break that has caused me to fully portend a uh, and inhabit uh, a character that I used to play on a Netflix show. So uh, I will be calling myself uh, for the duration of of uh, this interview, Derek Rose. Uh, that's the only possible character I could be uh, talking about when uh, I have you on here. But I, I would like to thank you after the for giving me a platform after the liberal media ran me uh, out of the streets and uh, you know forced me to take uh, some of my talents to alternative platforms. M- Mr. Jones, I appreciate you uh, bringing me onto the show, and I'd like to walk you through uh, my new role of uh, Derek Rose, because it is one that I was drawn to. Uh, Derek Rose, I see as sort of a paragon for the man who could uh, fight past uh, a- any sort of uh, mistakes, uh, trials, or tribulations and find that sweet, sweet redemption that has so evaded some of us uh, in the past. Kevin Spacey, uh, I just wanted to give you room to talk about your AAU sponsorship, uh, doing the good for the game. Uh, I think that was the the Kentucky Rattlers. Uh, well, you want to talk yeah. about that? Uh, yeah, I would like to plug, uh, you know, some of my coaching I've been doing for my AAU team. Uh, unfortunately, due to illegal reasons, I, I was barred from being near uh, the previous AAU team. So I do have a new AAU team uh, that stands for Alcoholics Anonymous United League. Um, we have really come together and put together a fine squad this year uh, with this myself. Uh, and I am doing, of course, handling the coaching duties. We have a strong power forward in the name of a Louis C.K. Um, he is a, a strong, burly man, and I, I really look forward to, uh, you know, his game. But it was just great to see, you know, everyone come together and raise this money for these uh, underprivileged men who, uh, you know, have been befallen or bestruck uh, by any sort of. Uh, you know, persecution uh, that might be wrongful. Um, And, you know, it really was Derrick Rose's story that inspired me to do this. Great citizen. All right, folks, that's uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, Catch him in all the movies that he's already uh, recorded. I don't think there's much more going to happen with that. Oh, no, I I disagree. 
will be working with uh, accomplished uh, film star known as uh, Alexis Texas. I'm very excited to be working with her. She has a very uh, full body of work. Um, and I will be uh, in a, a new Pixar movie uh, that will also be featuring Alexis Texas. So uh, I'm very excited to work on both of those projects, uh, provided they end up getting the green light. But I appreciate you, Alex, uh, uh, having me on your show to uh, talk about and discuss these uh, important topics. Uh, always, always a pleasure. All right, folks, we got the other side coming on, the liberal cook like he is, Jared Weiss, going to refute all my stats and evidence about how Kyrie Irving might be the worst basketball player that's ever been conceived in this, this the histories of history, and that the Celtics, you know what, they're the worst. I'm going to tell you, they're the worst. They're actually second in net rating, according to Cleaning the Glass. Oh, yeah? Well, how about you start cleaning my ass with shit like that? Jared, uh, what else you got to tell me? Kyrie's a good player? Is that what you're going to try to convince me of? Well, you know, Kyrie Irving's actually averaging about 26 points a game since Marcus Smart joined him in the starting lineup. So I'm thinking that maybe what you're missing there when you look at the stats, not to mention he's got almost 50-40-90 shooting splits, 45% from three in that time period, that maybe they actually are better off with Kyrie Irving once they put him around the right people. Now, you sound a little Canadian for such an American patriot. Don't tell Canadians. The, they think that smoking weed's going to solve all their problems. Get out of here. How about you bring up your GDP and move move into the wilderness? Stop cowering around the border like a bunch of border rats. God damn God damn you! You ruined the Celtics, you bastards! God damn you! God damn you! God damn you! Ah! All right, let's talk Celtics here with Jared Weiss. You know, as as you said, Jared, so eloquently, um, they're they're second in net rating once you uh, filter out uh, garbage time, like uh, cleaning the glass does. But at the same time, I, you know, I don't get the feeling watching them that everything's totally come together at this point, that they're like a true strong contender. Uh, where, where do you stand on this? They're basically the fifth team in the Eastern Conference right now. I think that's a, it's a pretty ac- – I think it's kind of like the first accurate representation of what they've been so far, where their offense statistically is really strong now. I haven't I, – it's been a while since I've like manually pulled that Chicago game out to see how it affects everything, but – I don't think the inflation is that bad anymore because they've played, what, 30-something games now? 36, I think. So um, they you know, they are clearly a really good team that could have a good chance of winning that first-round series in the playoffs, even if they don't have home court advantage, which was really important last year. But they have a long way to go as far as their guys like kind of getting into a rhythm and healthy, like Jalen Brown is starting to get there. Hayward is still slowly moving along. Uh, you know, Bates has been out for a while, although it hasn't really hurt them too much, but they, um, they, they gotta, they still need to kind of reset back to that optimal system that they'd have designed for themselves back when they started the season. And until they're able to do that, I mean, I don't, I, I, I guess if Marcus Morris is still shooting really well and smart has been like pretty solid offensively, he's been, he's been moving the ball. Well, 
and he's playing at a defensive player of the year level. And I'm sure by the end of the season, I think he'll probably be one of the prime candidates for a defensive player of the year, but they, their offense probably won't be good enough in the playoffs against teams that can really scheme against them unless they have that offense out there that they designed before the season. So I don't think this is going to be sustainable for a playoff run. And, you know, I mean, maybe things change if Hayward's like really, really playing well and he's like the perfect six man, but we're still just really far away from that point. Do you think they go back to that original starting lineup? I mean, I think they have to. I, I have no, I really have no idea because they're playing so much better with that new lineup out there. The Marcuses just completely flipped the season around and they're the two best players on this team besides Kyrie right now. And, you know, and, I mean, Horford's hard to measure compared to those guys because his role so different but yeah i mean they're, they're playing so damn well and smart's been like shooting the ball well too which is another factor to this you know even if smart wasn't shooting the ball well he his distribution ability one frees up Kyrie to play at he's been playing at like a i would say a borderline mvp level right now i think he's kind of climbing into that tier of mvp candidates and He's playing like a probably, I mean, he might make like the second or third all NBA team the way he's been playing. Um, so, you know, whatever maximizes Kyrie's capability is definitely probably the first thing that they want to look to for what they want to sustain. And putting smart next to him definitely seems to have worked a lot better because it takes pressure off of him as a creator. And smart's defense is not only does it take pressure off of Kyrie as a defender, and Kyrie's getting a lot of credit for his defense this year. But let's not mistake his great hustle and his commitment and his energy for you know really mastering the technique and getting all the reach right all the time. He still he still has trouble with a lot of that stuff, and he has Smart out there to really help compensate for that because Smart is he's masterful at compensating for that stuff. So Smart seems to fix so many things that were wrong with the team. He was kind of that like all around antidote uh, for whatever was. The only whatever their ills were beforehand. And then Morris was just like a go-to score and they needed another go-to score because Tatum has been up and down and Kyrie, there's all, you know, his usage rate is already 31%, which is 92nd percentile for combo guards, according to cleaning the glass uh, or clean my ass as Alex Bones would say. So, I mean, right now they can't make that switch because it's working so well for them, but you know, it's like, again, they're good. I think they have to if they want to win a title this year. But like you said, if Smart and Morris continue playing this way, then I don't know if there's like so much of a need to, to really do it. I mean, Smart's playing. The, both both of the Marcuses are playing pretty much by far the best basketball of their career, um, I would say. Is Gordon Hayward the big swing piece for, you know, if, if this team is able to reach the high heights um, of preseason expectations. I mean, you got to figure that Gordon Hayward's going to have to be a, a lot more consistent. Um, is, is that what Celtics fans should be really honing in on? I think so. Yeah, it seems pretty simple, right? I mean, he uh, he is like there's so many games where he just doesn't make an impact scoring. He's been getting a lot better lately. Of if he's not scoring well, he's at least passing well. But, you know, he's an all-star, and if they're going to, you know, if they're going to, like, really seriously compete, they need him to be able to do both. And, you know, if you look at the games where he scores, let's say, 14 or more points, that's 10 or 11 games here, they, they're they 9-2 in those games. So, 
it's there's a very there seems to be a pretty strong correlation. Not to mention a lot of those wins are like twenty point wins, like really big wins. Um, you know, the, there's a pretty good correlation between when Hayward's scoring well and when they're winning. And he just if they have another guy that can just like drive with comfort and score in the paint, but also be a sniper. I mean, that just especially someone who can pass like he can, if they have to start showing two on him whenever he's driving, that makes their offense really easy to run. They'll get so many wide open looks. And the nights where that happens, they get so many wide open looks. So, you know, Hayward is probably, I think he's the one that has the most room to grow in both that, like he's still struggling and that the ceiling for his ability to contribute this year is higher than anyone else besides Kyrie and Horford. All right. So, uh, this is this question is from uh, Efren. Uh, Kyrie watches Marcus Smart highlights to get better. Is there anything? Is there any uh, thing you'd like the Celtics, uh, other players to watch to improve their game? Uh, Marcus Smart highlights again. <laughs> I would watch. They need to watch. His I would shoes. watch. I would have them. Yeah, sure. I would have them watch Hayward. Uh, you know, I mean, Hayward still has a lot to work on, but I would have Tatum and Jalen. And Mook as well, watch Hayward and see how he runs pick and roll, how he attacks the closeout, and how he's able to make his reads on that first dribble or so. And Hayward is the best player on this team at taking one dribble in and then throwing a pass to like a, you know, a cross-court pass, making that skip pass. And that skip pass is what makes this offense so deadly and kind of like the idea of how they were designed with the five-out with the three wings starting with Jalen, Jason and Hayward starting is that it'll be kind of just like rinse and repeat all over and over and over again of guys just like driving and then throwing that skip pass to the opposite elbow. And then you just kind of keep churning that over and over again until you get wide open shots. And then it, when you need to slow things down, cause you got to change the pace of an offense every once in a while, all those guys can get a mismatch and then post it up. All those guys can run, you know, pick and roll with Horford. So or the idea, or I'm sorry, Hayward and Kyrie can, Tatum and Brown can yet, but they need to get there if they want to be elite players. So I think I would watch tape of Hayward running pick and roll and seeing how good he is hitting. Like the he, he works really well with Daniel Tice because Daniel Tice is a good roll guy. He has really good timing about setting the screen and then rolling and being ready for the pass. And he and Hayward have had some really great quarters, usually in the third quarter where – they're just like running pick and roll three times in a row. And Tice will kind of Tice and Hayward will kind of mix up their angle a little bit. And every single time Hayward will find a different way to hit him as a roll guy, or he'll be able to dribble into a wide open 15 foot shot. So Hayward, he just he can't be consistent yet because of his physical state and because of him working himself back. And he just isn't as explosive as Tatum and Brown are. But you can see clearly that his ability to orchestrate the offense is still very much intact. And those are the skills that make him an all-star. And he's not, you know, nearly as physically remarkable as those other two guys are. And if they can even pick up a little bit of that, that's what catapults them into being all-star caliber players. My pod mates are back. What's up, guys? A couple of, uh, uh, I'm here. I'm, I'm always on time. That's one thing that's great about me. Uh, I'm always here. Uh, I love, uh, I love jumping into things. Uh, and it's great to be here. Uh, yeah, when we did the show last week, did you guys record that? When I just did like my nine minute long uh, video on my own, well, nobody else showed up, so I just kind of you know did my own video for a long time. 
Yeah, we changed the website from uh, uh, you know Skype to Camster, so that that kind of confused <laughs> me. But anyway, I just went with it. Profitable? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I made a lot of money. Um, definitely the most podcasting I've ever done without my shoes on. I think you know, kind of talking about um, problems they were having earlier in the year. Something that kind of like stood out to me, Jared. I don't know if you were had touched on this earlier, but it was what was bothering to me was like transition they couldn't finish it all in transition um it seems like for whatever reason they've cleaned that up a lot more in um some of these more recent games and we're starting to see the celtics sort of uh you know as as you were probably just talking about uh you know make this leap to where they are just you know now around 10th just outside the top 10 in offensive efficiency where you know earlier in the year like 10 games into the year they were like 27 28 something like that um, does it concern you at all that kind of the defense has slipped or do you sort of credit that more to a, you know, them, the Celtics are, you know, scoring 120 points. You don't need to necessarily lock in. You don't need to hold teams to, you know, 89, 92 points as much anymore. Once you're scoring, you know, 112 a game, like the way the Celtics are. Yeah. It's, it's just extremely rare. Like their net rating is really high. It's yeah. It's, it's, Second in the NBA. You're gonna get one. You're gonna get one or the other. It's it's uh, you're you're basically like the '86 Celtics if you can do both, right? So, yeah. um, but you know, one of the big concerns was Jalen Brown's defense hasn't been very good this year. He's been getting lost off ball a lot. He he actually seems to have kind of regressed in that area because he was pretty good at it last year, and then he was amazing on ball. This year he's been good on ball but not great, and then he's missing a lot of stuff off ball and I'm one I'm just wondering at first I thought it was just because like with Hayward out there their assignments were a little bit different but he's playing with he's playing with a bunch of guys that were there for the most part last year so it's not like one guy would screw that all up so I'm not sure what's causing that um I mean Horford's been fine I, I, I saw somebody said that like Horford hasn't lost anything on defense for most for the most part this year Horford's defense was not up to par where it was last year but he also was, you know, coming back from injuries, and I think it's starting to show up again. And obviously, that performance he had against uh, Embiid in the fourth quarter and overtime on Christmas and Towns for the first half of that Minnesota game, I mean, he's showing that he still is probably the best, you know, defender in the post in the game. Oh yeah, I think I think it was Zach Lowe um, who had in an article that uh, it's like the movement tracking stats show that he's like moving at like the same speed or whatever, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't um, think those stats really indicate anything of actual context. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Perhaps. Um, question. Uh, is, is Brad Stevens a virgin? Questionably. I know he's got two kids, but there was another guy, uh, who didn't require, uh, sex in order to become, uh, you know, an upstanding young gentleman, his name, Jesus Christ. Also Evan Turner. Those are the same guy, but I thought you were going to see say Shamsian. But if you saw that photo of Evan Turner's biceps the other day, you know you'd you'd believe that he certainly has been sexually active, even if it's not with somebody else. Oh oh, no no no! I'm saying that that Evan Turner is the same as Jesus Christ, where he was born from. uh, He didn't require uh, sex to be born because Jesus was hated too. (laughs) Hey, Jesus didn't have that jump shot either. No, Jesus didn't have the jump shot. Him or Ben Simmons. <laughs> he had both the wingspan, cow- though. Both noted yes. cowards, too. Yeah. 
Do you guys know, I've been, like, trying to, like, do some research on Ben Simmons. Do you know where I could find any, like, um, anything about Ben Simmons' uh, jump shot or why he shouldn't take it? I'm looking to see any conversations or anything you might have uh, that seem as disjointed and uh, unorganized as possible. So if we you guys can maybe point that. Ben <laughs> trick on Twitter, by any chance? <laughs> I haven't. All right, I'll give that a shot. <laughs> Ready to hear, ready to see what he has to say. But you know, now that since I'm on the air, I might as well talk about it because like this is something I've been talking to people about um, privately. But like, he, I, I so for one, I, I love I love what he's doing for one. What Dietrich's mm-hmm. doing, he's obviously not an idiot. Like he's he's a pretty accomplished writer from what I can see. And you know, the Colangelo Burnagate thing, I think there were things that could have they could have done better with the situation. But overall, it was a pretty remarkable thing. But He's he's missing something. His basically his hatred of you and Jack Michael and whoever else is also tweeting at him. It's causing him to do all this. His his like his frustration with. I think I'm I'm getting a little bit of the I'm a New York Times and Ringer writer, and these are a bunch of kids in their basements who happen to know basketball very well for kids in their basements. But um, uh, he's not wrong, by the way. Because he's wrong. Yeah. He's not wrong. Does it mean that you guys aren't qualified? He's sorry, like, dude, he, his, his problem is he conflates our, our elite idea of you should shoot threes unless you're a coward, like, because they literally are worth more points than every other shot on the floor. And, and weird sixer people saying like he should shoot mid range shots or celebrate like he spent like twenty minutes talking about how people are celebrating the fact that he missed two mid range shots a couple of ga- a couple of days days ago. I'm like that wasn't us. Like we don't care about anything that's not a three. So like and he's never going to shoot that. Well, so I still think, a coward in my book. Well, can, can I just say that I think that part of the reason that that sort of has taken on like a life of its own is because it doesn't. It's not even really about you, you know Ben Simmons shooting a three. I think we all agree he's probably going to shoot a three at some point. Like the pressure <laughs> is only mounting. Debatable. I know. I know. Jack. Well, we'll, we'll see. Well, no, Brett Brown says Jack. corner threes, which, as we know, are the most cowardly of all the threes. <laughs> this is true. Yes, they're but, the, they're the fail sons of. Three. <laughs> <laughs> but they're the uh, the Michael Flynn Juniors of, uh, of, of uh, threes. Donald Donald Trump Junior. Yeah, of threes. Yeah, they 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 have lost their wives to uh, cheating on them with Gimberly Gilfoil. That is that is what those those quarter threes represent. But I don't know. I so I was like logged off when this was all going on. So I sort of thought that I, I don't know. And I, I Ben and I were always cool before this. So I and I've always kind of seen because I think he also is connected to that cookies thing, which is like sort of like a, um, it seems to be like a sort of hot takes for the sake of hot takes. So I, I kind of thought there was like a hint of kayfabe to it a little bit. But um, if it's not, I think that that more what this thing represents is it's not so much about Ben Simmons sort of, um, you know, dominating or, you, you know, not shooting a three. I think it's more about kind of the Celtics dominance in the face of the, you know, sort of the pure talent aspect of this because the Celtics what? are kind of the opposite of the Sixers in some ways where that they have paid a lot of money for the overpriced um, your overpriced free agents. You know, they've made um, they, they've put their their big assets on the tables, their picks on the tables to go get um, 
guys like Kyrie Irving and they are, you know, and meanwhile, the Sixers fans had the process and we all made fun of them. And I think that this is sort of just sort of developed into some sort of personification of the cosmic insanity that comes from the Sixers losing in five games to the Celtics last year when they had no, but like the Celtics players were hurt in like a very embarrassing um Loss, and I think that's all coming to a head. Now, I don't think I think the Sixers are going to figure it out eventually. They're going to get better, but it is it is it's exceedingly amusing to sort of see <laughs> everything play out. You know, I hate the 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 sort of like ah, I live in your head, man. But like, it really is a thing for like the Sixers and their fans and and the Celtics, and it's it's pretty great to be on the other side of that, having experienced it as a Red Sox Yankees fan on the other side. Sam, are, are, are you eating cookies as you were talking about the cookies pod? Uh, I, I am. I am. I just got home from work. I'm eating cookies. Uh, All right. Cookie watch. So, so I have a hot take here. Uh-huh. Um, I think Anthony Davis is gone. I think Kawhi Leonard's gone. I think Jimmy Butler's gone. I think Kevin Durant's gone. I think they're all leaving. I think they're all changing teams. Ooh, really? They're current teams. Wow. Yeah. That is hot. In, in the offseason. season. <laughs> Yes, still in, in the yeah. offseason. How how would you I would rank say it? Like, I think Jimmy Butler is the highest of those. Um, yeah. Actually, I think Durant's pretty high up there too. I think they're um, all pretty high up. I don't know. I think Anthony Davis is definitely the highest of those. I'm, I'm really? I would say Jimmy's the lowest of those of really? ability to leave. Yeah, he's in a pretty solid situation if they'll pay him. Um, which you know, there, there's a few factors there, but he's. I think him and Kawhi are probably the two least likely to leave. Mm-hmm. Kawhi, there's a good chance that he's going to leave. KD to New good York chance. is, I think KD's, well, I still, I think Kawhi should probably stay in Toronto, depending mm-hmm. on what happens in the playoffs. But like, right. he's been pretty clear he wants to go to LA and the Clippers are pretty much ready for him. So seems like that's, you know, that's pretty much an open lane for him. And then KD to New York, feels pretty close at this point. Uh, I think his goal is to win the title with the Warriors this year and then walk away and go to the Knicks. It seems pretty, it's been pretty apparent for a while. That's how I felt about it since basically last year's finals. And the momentum seems to be pushing that way more and more. I I just think that the Jimmy Butler thing, like, um, I I don't know. I'm starting to read the reports that he's already like yelling at Brett Brown, like (laughs) in the film room and stuff. And, I feel like if it comes down to like, you know, the 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 Sixers are are in, but they're not like, you know, it's not like they're they're not in a Warriors type situation or 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 Pelicans type situation. It's not like they don't have options. They gave up Dario Saric and uh, Robert Covington, which hurts, but they still are going to have. If Jimmy Butler walks, they have cap room. You know what I'm saying? They don't have to cave to every Jimmy Butler demand in the offseason. They could just as easily target Kawhi Leonard or one of these other, um, you know, guys if they wanted to. Um, they, they just have to move Fultz. And I guess that that's sort of the linchpin of where all this stuff comes back to. Do you guys think that uh, – so do you guys think um, – nobody said anything about Giannis. Do we think Giannis is staying? That's kind of my uh, Fox and Mulder <laughs> – I, th- I think that's a can that's going to open up in 2020, probably. Okay. I think I think we got time on that one. And you know, there the, there's not a contract imperative yet, and right. and they're doing a, they're the best team in the NBA right now. So, 
there's you know so like it's like him and Kawhi. it's too, you know, Kawhi, there's the la thing and the immediacy of his free agency that seems to be creating that kind of tension there but like their team is also playing great and then with Giannis, it's like there's no reason and he's he's been very committed to milwaukee he doesn't have the same kind of dead end of the road situation that anthony davis has or like at this point i can't i just don't ad absolutely has to leave new orleans and i don't think anybody really questions the fact that he's going to at this point the rich you know the rich paul hire was like a very clearly telegraphed move there uh but like he's had almost a decade now of just complete failure to build in new orleans while milwaukee has a pretty clear upward trajectory so there's nothing for Giannis to really run away from at this point. A, a question for you, Jared, on that. Um, we, you know, you mentioned the Rich Paul thing. The, a few weeks ago, AD floated some, you know, con, you know, LeBron, LeBron reached out to him. It, it seemed like AD himself was winking at the Lakers a little bit. Um, do you think that's going to give pause to Danny Ainge about uh, trying to acquire him, or you know, it's full steam ahead? It's it's a good point. It definitely is, especially because he just did an interview with uh, Joe Varden at the Athletic uh, yesterday or Monday, and basically said like for him it's all about winning. It's not about money. It's all about winning, which makes it clear that another reason why he obviously is leaving New Orleans because there is no conceivable path for them to build up a championship contender with them anymore. They blew it. It's too late now, and you know that's that's clearly over. Um, unless like literally unless like Dwayne Bacon turns into the greatest shooter in the NBA. And I can't even remember if he's actually there or if he's in Charlotte. I think he's in Charlotte. What's the difference? Right. So, um, yeah. So like, it's, I, I think that Boston should be confident enough in bringing him in and closing that deal with, and you know, being able to extend them because if he's here, they're probably the front runner. They're really close to being the front runner to win the title, especially if Katie leaves Golden State. They're like kind of clearly the front runner to win the title. I just can't. I, I don't see AD walking away from that just to be in LA with LeBron, especially because like LeBron's thirty four now, right? So it's like LeBron. LeBron conceivably has four years left of his of like being a legitimate title contender. I think he can do it up until thirty eight, which would basically so put him on the same level as MJ. Is this hypothetical when he's a free agent or trading? Because I don't feel like he has a choice if they're trading. Well, there's, well, he can exercise his uh, – he can make his intentions clear if it's a trade situation. But it would be for – he would be eligible for that extension um, or he'd be eligible for a new deal after next season. So you'd be trading for a year and – I guess you'd be trading for like a year of AD. Yeah. <clears throat> We, we know the Lakers are going to put together a package. We know the Celtics are going to put together a package. Toronto has kind of made it clear that, that they want him. Uh, Philly could conceivably get into the mix. Um, some people have floated it out, putting you know one of Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid even um, out there. I don't, I don't know if they're going to do that. but the, the, Not Joel Embiid. Okay. <laughs> well, um, and then the, the team that has the rights to draft Zion Williamson um, – could potentially do it. Maybe a couple others can can get into the mix. You still sort of feel that um, the Celtics can put together the the best offer if Danny Ainge is willing to go that far, though. Yeah, you, I mean, the thing is, I think the trade market's getting more complicated just because I don't think any of the assets from Boston or L.A. have appreciated in value. In fact, they've seemed to have 
almost lost a lot, a little bit of perceived value compared to the beginning of the season. I don't think Tatum's value has gotten better as this year hasn't been pretty for Tatum. It's still very, very high, but it's not as great as it was uh, before the season started. And then obviously the draft picks have lost a ton of value. So and there's still time for that to change and maybe set, maybe Sacramento finally fires Dave Yeager as they shouldn't, but as they probably will, because he's too good of a coach and then they go into the tank and then all of a sudden oh, it's, you know, it's a top pick again. <laughs> Oh, I feel bad. I, uh, I, Vladdy I so much right, and then he's going to fire oh. Dave Yeager. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I mean, that would be the most Kings thing ever, to just be on the cusp of the playoffs and, like, the biggest bloodbath that's ever be see, been seen in the like in the West and just to have such a fun young team and then just to start. Like, like Buddy Heald finally came around. The 29-year-old Buddy Heald. Yeah, I wouldn't call him a young team anymore. With Buddy <laughs> yeah, Heald. I guess. Middle-aged. <laughs> Well, this keeps happening with Jaeger. He got ran out of town in, in Memphis because he clashed with Gasol and ownership wouldn't back him, even though, well, I guess Memphis, Gasol's been really good this year. But frankly, I would have tried to trade Gasol at his age and keep a good yeah. coach. Um, you know, and they, they missed that boat. I mean, they're fine now. He's really good. And Jackson looks like he's going to be amazing. But there's clearly something with Jaeger's grading personality that is causing these issues. I don't I don't think it's simply just that. Jaeger is very uh, Jaeger wants autonomy and will take autonomy whether or not he actually has it, which is clearly what seems to be happening here. Um, and Marvin Bagley has been getting minutes when he's healthy and playing pretty well when he does, at least offensively. So I don't think it's I don't think the issue is that they're not playing Marvin Bagley. They don't need to start Marvin Bagley and play him 36 no. minutes a game like that's stupid. Like have him come off the bench. You've got a lot of really good talent. It's not just about developing him. They, right. you know, they don't play Scalabca, who still has a lot of talent, even if he has the physical intimidation of Lisa Simpson. I mean, like, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of potential across the board there. Is, uh, as a as an NBA insider, can you tell me if? Uh... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Can you yeah. tell me? No, can you tell me if Zach Randolph is alive? Because I've been trying to search the internet and find out this answer. Because. I would like the Celtics to have them on this team if he's if he is in fact alive still. Oh man! So I was I was hanging out with my dad like last week or whatever, and Zach Randolph came up and we were like, yeah, like it's amazing, like that Zach Randolph's already retired. And I was like, wait, I'm not sure if Zach Randolph's retired yet. And it took me like five minutes to figure out if Zach Randolph is retired. He's still an active nope. NBA player. Yeah. He's he's just he's like a perk now. Anymore. He's he's like the new Kendrick Perkins basically. Yeah. Did like the, the Kings wave him? No. He's, no still on the he's, team. Still, he's still on the roster. He's still on the Kings roster. He's just not around. He just doesn't play, yeah. Oh. I want to see All if right. he's even active for these games. Yeah, let's get let's get Rex, Zach Randolph in a, in a buyout market. No, Zach Randolph in the buyout market. Bring. Can you imagine having Zach Randolph, Lastad, and Smarf on the same team? Like uh, <laughs> That's... That's an incredible lot of power. That's playoff grit. That yeah. is playoff grit right there. We've we've never discussed this before on the show. It's never happened. Not. I'm sorry. I, with I the with the wristman episode three. Oh yes. Right. Oh, yes. They they were gonna form like Voltron. Uh, oh my god! Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's still like. And after that happened, I was like, "Where is he? Why is he not playing NBA games?" And like he he's just like went dark. Like in a witness protection program. I appreciate well, the journalistic. Comment. By the way, I just I just voted for Zach Randolph for All Star. So 
Congratulations. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. now you can Google it. So I literally Googled Zach Randolph, and the first option was to vote for Zach Randolph as an all-star. So, okay. So, you know, one thing I forgot is that his brother was killed during the offseason. Oh, um, that's what it was. Apologies for that. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's less And fun. so, yeah. uh, they just told him they're going to be playing the younger guys, and he's just not going to. He's not going to play, and he literally hasn't played the entire season. So, I never even got to make my point about the Ben Simmons thing with with Ben Dietrich. Sorry, I cut yeah. you off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, but it was great. It was a great spiel, and your mustache was tantalizing the whole time. But the <laughs> the big so there's there is a I, like Dietrich's done so much good research on this, and like and his argument is so entertaining, and I love the way he tweets it out, and. The Jordan Clarkson line, like some, like the Jordan Clarkson line that he had was hilarious. It was amazing, but what he's missing is that there is an intrinsic value to being able to shoot away from the hoop, even if it is that incredibly inefficient mid-range jumper. Which, by the way, another misnomer about mid-range jumpers: the twenty-foot mid-range jumper is what is considered the death shot. A fifteen-foot mid-range jumper is not a bad shot for most players. Most of the time, that is a very makeable shot, and it is t- almost twice as close as a three-point shot. So your likelihood of making it is so much higher that it isn't a bad shot. It's a viable option. For Simmons, the problem is that teams sag off of him so deep into the paint that he has to be Giannis in order for him to score. And if he can hit a, excuse me, a 15-footer reliably... That will pull this defender out a little bit, which gives more room for the rest of the offense. And I think he picked a bunch of examples where he said this isn't true or he said that Giannis works this way. First off, Giannis gets guarded within 15 feet. We saw in the playoffs last year. Giannis takes threes. Like, I don't, like yeah. why do we keep comparing him to people that take threes? Because like, well, Russ, Giannis, He Giannis talked is, about Russ Westbrook. He talked about Giannis. And he talked about, like, even if they're bad three-point shooters, he actually – they take three-point shoot, like, shots, which – well, the, and you're making a point. You're making a good point, but Giannis uh, d- defenses don't really ever cover him on threes. They still sag off, and he's trying to develop that, you know, develop the reputation so that they start taking him seriously. Which, to Marcus Smart and Brad Stevens' credit, Marcus Smart has been statistically one of the worst shooters in NBA history, and his persistence mm-hmm. of being a three-point shooter has gotten to the point that he gets guarded and closed out to as a three-point shooter, even when his numbers suck, because they know that he's going to hit it every once in a while. And the difference between a 40% shooter and a 20% shooter is you miss, like, one or two extra shots a game. But as a defender, I'm thinking that guy is a competent shooter, even if statistically sucks. So I'm still going to charge out on him, because I think there's a chance he's going to make this shot. And that's the difference. And so Ben, just being able that to take that 15-foot jump shot, it's either, one, he gets a reward for teams completely sagging off of him and he's able to get an extra couple points a game, maybe two or, you know, like at least one or two more field goals a game because when he's in that situation where they're just completely sinking off of him and he's wide open at 15, he can actually try to get a basket there instead of literally trying to reset the play or drive in the traffic and not score. And then the other thing is it's, I think it's more important. It's just that it pulls the defense out a little bit more, just enough to create a lane for other guys to go through. And that opens up their offense so much. And Ben made like, so I wrote a piece on the athletic. The last story that I actually have published right now is I have like five in development currently, but the most recent story I've published on the athletic is a very, very sense of breakdown 
of why Simmons, you know, why he really kind of shut down Philly's offense at the very end of that game against the Celtics where the Celtics won in overtime. And, you know, Simmons actually almost won them the, the game in regulation because he had some great transition plays and was dominant in transition. And Simmons is amazing in transition. And that's why he still is like a borderline elite player. But he plays in the dunker spot on the weak side where he's kind of hiding pretty much like mm-hmm. behind the backboard. And mm-hmm. Dietrich used this example where the Celtics weren't sagging off of him and saying like the teams can't sag off of him. But if you go and you look at my analysis, you'll see in crunch time, the team is able to sag off of him. They read that early in the game and then they figure out how they can do it. So in the fourth quarter, he's completely useless in the half court offense and they have to run split actions to get him, you know, get him baskets or they have to use them as a big man and post them up, but he's still very limited. And so that's why they don't have any pick and roll offense. And so you have Jimmy Butler, you know, raising a stake about the fact that they don't have pick and roll sets built into their offense because this is how they've been running it for a while now to try to, uh, to try to make make up for Simmons' inability to have any sort of pull off on the defense out yeah. there trying to run stuff in the perimeter. That was a very elegant way of uh, calling Ben Simmons a coward right there. <laughs> yes, that's my point. It's true. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I just like, can't understand. Simmons isn't a coward. Simmons is just shooting with the wrong hand. It's obvious. You know, give Kevin O'Connor credit. He was the first to see it. It's, it's, so, it's so unbelievably obvious. And there's just no argument to be had about it. It's just that he's shooting with the wrong hand. Dude, I don't, there's nothing, like, I don't give a shit what he says. It's so fucking obvious. It's insane. At the same, at some point, you have to like seal headbutt it into the like. It doesn't matter what hand. Like at least take the three. It is better than than a two. Yeah. My thing is like how like I don't a stop comparing him or saying his stats are Magic Johnson because he's the first person you search that hasn't took taken a three in an era that like the most threes a team shot was like 13. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, Magic Johnson was the greatest player ever in an era where they actively said three points are bad. Uh, okay, well, that's that's a lot worse now when there's teams like, you know, us, the Celtics, or the Warriors that are just, like, tossing them in all over the place. I mean, if Magic played nowadays, he would be looked at very differently. He would he would not be playing to the strengths of the league. He'd still be an elite player, but I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know if Magic would be considered as great if he was playing in this system, um, you know, under these rules. You know, back then half court offense was still pretty ugly. Back then, a lot of mm-hmm. very tight space post ups. It wasn't as bad as the nineties, but those teams in the in that era they played at such a high pace that Magic was playing in transition most of the time, and Magic's probably the best transition player of all time or, you know, him and LeBron are probably the two best. Hey, uh, just kind of uh, to make, to reference your point about, you know, Marcus Smart and guys covering him. Anyone want to hazard a guess at what uh, Marcus Smart is shooting on wide open uh, three pointers this year? Uh, to find, to find, now, uh, but it, it's a uh, 37.1% better than Gordon Hayward, better than Shemi Ojale, better than Jalen Brown. So, uh, Folks, you got to cover Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, not a coward. Marcus Smart shoots with the correct hand. Just saying. <laughs> Marcus Smart made seven threes in a in a playoff game. You know what's funny about that is that Smart. Uh, sorry to ruin the fun, but Smart generally shoots better under hot contests where he has to immediately catch and then go into his shot. He actually tends that tends to be his like best time where he's actually shooting the ball because it forces him to be very quick and it makes him actually be in rhythm so 
I'm surprised right. that he shoots that well wide open. And that's a great sign if he's shooting that. I mean, it's it's average, but like the fact that he's shooting right. average wide open is huge for him. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's just a trend this season. But yeah, I mean, if you go back and you look at the player, to your point, Jared, you look at the player data from, oh, I don't know, example, last year, in tight situations, he shot 33%. And in wide open situations... Um, he shot twenty eight point three. Exactly. <laughs> in, exactly. In, in twenty seventeen. So Marcus, I think, has finally put the work in in the gym where he's just sort of shooting consistently now. His RPM and his his offensive real plus minus is better than uh, Ben Simmons because hey, guess what? Threes are cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. RPM I'm, stands RPM stands for real pussy back then, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Jeremiah Engelman told me that actually. (laughs) Real, but either really. (laughs) I always knew. I always knew Hollinger was up to that. Hollinger didn't make that though. No, Jeremiah Engelman did. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! Hell yeah! By the way, I had dinner with her earlier this year. One of the coolest (laughs) dudes I've talked to actually. He's a incredibly bright guy. I mean, no shit. He came up with RPM. Yeah, no, no. He, he knows that Marcus Smart's the 18th best player in the NBA. So, <laughs> Which which sounds crazy, but also sounds like it's very possible. But I'm pretty sure it's not true. Dude, but it definitely he's, seems he's possible. He's 6'4 Draymond, baby. Yeah, <laughs> he like, really is. He yeah, really except is. he can shoot. Yeah. All right. <laughs> on that note, let's, let's wrap things up here. We've gone on for a while. Uh, that was Jared Weiss, Sam Sheehan, Lucky's Pipe. You probably heard Efren a long time ago. Uh, this is the ATO Show. We'll be back dribble, dribble, next week. Dribble, right See y'all then. Dribble, dribble, dribble. Dribble, dribble, dribble. Dribble, dribble, dribble. Dribble, dribble, dribble. Dribble, dribble, dribble.